Welcome to Ahead in the Cloud, where business leaders share what they've learned on their cloud journey. I'm Chad Watt, Emphasis Knowledge Institute researcher and writer. I'm here today with Rafi Tarafdar. Rafi is the Chief Technology Officer of Emphasis and a leader in thinking at the intersection of technology and business. He is joining us today to talk about open source software for large enterprises. I'm delighted to have you here today, sir. Thank you so much, Chad. Thanks for having me on this podcast. Just to set some parameters, when we talk about open source software, we're broadly talking about programs where source code is visible and can be modified and shared and used for any purposes. And we are recording this at the start of summer 2023, and everything in tech continues to focus around generative AI, and Emphasis itself just launched our own suite of AI-first services called Topaz. In the world where everyone's focused on AI, how is it that open source is relevant in this kind of climate of AI-first technology programs and product launches? I think great question. And in my view, open source is still equally relevant, even with all the evolution and development we are seeing in AI space. If you look at all the AI models and products, the way we see it, it is coming out in three different forms. One is closed access models. These are models like GPT from OpenAI, BART from Google, which are not directly available for organizations to download and use, but they are available through APIs that you can consume, and these are being monetized in some cases. Second is open access models. These are the likes of Bloom, CodeGen, and others that you can actually download it. You have the weights available. You know the data sets that they are using. Now we have seen even StarCoder base that has come up recently for code. So a lot of these models are being open source, which just like any other open source software, I should be able to download and use it and also fine-tune it for my specific purposes, right? And I can contribute back. The third is in terms of the specialized AI products and specialized models, a lot of these are anyways getting protected. But I think going forward, we will see a lot more of these open access models. We'll see a lot more of open source software and platforms that will come up, which will make it easier for enterprises to adopt in addition to the closed access model and products. This is very interesting, thinking about those three sorts of models. And the closed access model, of course, is the first one we all saw last fall in terms of the generative A chat and the image generators. If I can ask you, which one of those three you think is going to produce the kind of most useful tools for business right now, what would your wager be? I think, see, if you look at it, the first two are essentially the core ingredients, right, which are the models. Today, if you look at it, a lot more powerful models are there in the closed access model space, but we are now seeing equally good come up in open access model space as well. So I think both of them will flourish and both of them will coexist. A lot of specialty models, specialized models or industry-specific models, for example, specialized for healthcare, specialized for financial industries or for indexes and all that. I think these will all become protected or these will remain closed access, whereas a lot more general purpose one will become available as open access. The third anyways is the AI products. I think these anyways will be built using a combination of the closed access or open access models. While some of them will be open sourced, I think a lot of them will be monetized through some uh, monthly fees and so and so forth. Right. It's very interesting thinking about the ways in which people can deliver value and derive value from kind of open source and collaborative models. Open source has actually been around for quite a while. It's older than cloud computing itself now, but open source and cloud 
are tightly linked in the modern technology ap applications. Do you see a similar sort of linkage happening between open source and AI down the road? No, absolutely. I think we'll see both of them fairly well intertwined. And I think a lot more innovation will happen today when these are too intertwined. Because while the tech majors are anyways doing a lot of innovation and they are sharing a lot of research for wider good, but the power of the community is that they can innovate at scale. And hence, I think we'll see the value come out in both the cases. And this is what see, we saw even with the cloud era, right? Because in cloud, if you look at it, a lot of innovation on containers, a lot of innovation in the middlewares, a lot of innovation with the kind of web servers, app servers, all of databases, and even uh, for the data warehouses and data platforms, all of these came from the open source community and then they become mainstream. And we also then have foundations like Cloud Native Computing Foundation. We are enabling this in a very structured way on how these open source technologies can help accelerate the value that we get from cloud. Very good, very good. What are the most critical ways open source and cloud work together for business, especially large enterprises today? What are one or two of the best ways you see open source being put to work in cloud? Yeah, see, I think uh, I'll take an example from Infosys itself, right? And if you look at Infosys, we today run some of the world's largest tax platforms in India for the government. And the volumes, if you look at it, are very, very significant. It has about 100 million members. And with any tax system, most of the filings are typically done during the last one or two days. Now, the entire platform in itself has been built largely on open source technology. It has been built on uh, using all the cloud native concepts, architecture and design patterns. And it is made fully scalable, fully resilient. And there is significant amount of observability at scale and all. So you can imagine when you're building and running a population scale platform fully on open source, on on commodity hardware, that's the kind of scale that today the open source software is able to support and deliver. And also when I look at it on the enterprise or business side today, most of the businesses significantly leverage the container technology. They leverage a container-based databases, container-based solutions, and then a lot of orchestration is done on open source. A lot of databases run on open source. So a lot of businesses today are also running their mission-critical workloads on open source at global scale. So I think today, open source itself is one of the most uh, important ingredients on the cloud, in addition to the cloud-native services that each of the hyperscalers provide. That's very fascinating, especially when you think about the kind of legacy of open source. The heritage of open source, if you will, is it's the mom and shop, it's the freeware, the hobbyists, the bulletin boards, the people who kind of, it's mom and pop software, but that's not the case today. This is powering big business and large enterprises. So what are the three or so most common misconceptions about open source software? I think I would say more than misconceptions, there are a few factors that a lot of business leaders are concerned about when they have to use open source for mission-critical applications. One is the resiliency of these at scale. So for example, let's take a database. If I have to run my entire platform on a database, then do I have support to failover? Do I have the support to do data replication at scale? Do I have the support to make sure that it can handle the volumes? Do I get production support in case there is a production issue which needs to be resolved within an hour or within few hours? 
do I get quality support from the freemium vendors who are supporting these open source projects? So that's one level of considerations that a lot of them think about. The second is also in terms of the licensing policies and what you are supposed to do or not do with open source, right? And today, if you look at it, there are a number of different licensing models that are available. So a lot of organizations have to be very careful in making sure that they are using the right licensing type and the software. And then whatever solutions or platforms that they are building on top of the open source tool, they just need to ensure that they are adhering to the policies that are defined by it. The third is security, because one of the things that happens is today we are in a world where a lot of issues come up on an ongoing basis. And whenever any issue is identified, we need rapid action in order to fix this. Like a few years back, there was a vulnerability identified in Log4j. Now, what it then meant is every software that was using Log4j had to be patched or fixed. And this means, you know, you need a significant action in order to very quickly address these issues. So I think these are the three, in my view, top concerns as well as considerations that most of the enterprise leaders would think about. Security, licensing, resiliency. And you feel confident that open source, there are options out there for any sort of business that could uh, put these to work? No, absolutely. If you make the right open source choice, right? So I wouldn't say that every single open source software uh, can provide all of it, but we have actually run a lot of mission critical platforms at population scale as well as at enterprise scale using open source. And we are very confident that, you know, when the right software and stack is chosen, it can deliver the outcomes that the business expects. How long have you been uh, thinking about working with open source, Rafi? As an individual, I've been working with open source for almost about two decades or so. While initially the number of choices were very less, and now the choices have increased significantly. Now, if you look at Infosys as an organization, you know, while we have been working on open source for a very long time and we've been using open source in a very strategic way, over the last few months, we have now decided to be more intentional and strategic about it. So, one of the things that we have done now is that we have set up an open source program office at Infosys. And the idea of setting up an open source program office was to make sure that, you know, as a company, we are able to establish a framework based on which we can not only nurture and drive usage of open source within the company, but we also become very active contributors to the entire uh, open source world. And as part of it, there are five focus areas that we focus on. One is to make sure that there is a process and a framework and a policy that is defined on how to go about using open source, how to go about contributing to open source, and how to go about open sourcing projects in a way that it doesn't violate any of the IP of our clients. It ensures that you know we are following all the IP and legal regulations and policies defined. The second is to essentially create a community of open source contributors, open source engineers. And today we have about 75,000 odd engineers who are very conversant with open source, who are using it and who are also contributing back to the open source community, either by providing some defect fixes or by providing some patches or contributing new modules. Third is uh, we also want to become active contributors where, you know, either we can contribute to an existing project, we can contribute a new module to one of the open source programs. 
as well as open source some of the existing Infosys projects. Then at a strategic level, uh, we also decided that, uh, you know, we will partner with two of the big open source foundations. One is Cloud Native Computing Foundation and with the Linux Foundation for Networking. So we've become the platinum members in both the foundations. And the goal for us is that how do we take the voice of our customers, voice of enterprise users to the foundation and to the open source community so that the open source community and foundation are aware of the kind of challenges that enterprises face. And, you know, we are able to address them very well. And also as we build roadmaps, we are able to take some of those needs and requirements into the roadmap. And the last is to create an ecosystem where we can have an ecosystem of open source partners, open source contributors, and uh, look at bringing all these innovations in a holistic manner, right? So a lot of these, I think in a strategic way, we have now been doing for the last few months, and there is a lot more that we will do over the coming years. Is there something that a typical enterprise can do better with open source than they have been doing with proprietary? Can you put your finger on something that's a good example of where open source has become the choice over a proprietary system? Today, if you look at it, I think containers is a good place where, you know, open source containers are fairly strong and most of the cloud providers use it. If you look at database technology, I think a lot of what comes from open source is fairly robust. Most of the businesses use either open source or cloud provider managed databases, right, which are based on open source and otherwise. If you look at a lot of tooling that is used in DevSecOps, a lot of tooling that is used in MLOps, a lot of tooling that is used in experience development uh, like Angular, React, and all these stuff, right? So most of these frameworks that are used in application development are also uh, open source based. If you today look at a lot of web servers and others, they are largely based on open source. So I think you will find that one is a lot of tooling at infrastructure level, a lot of tooling at a database level and at an integration level. So for example, Kafka today is a fairly standard in any uh, enterprise, wherever you know they have a need to do any uh, synchronous, asynchronous communication and all that stuff. Same thing, you know, you will find in experience. The frameworks, utilities, SDKs have become fairly standard, right? So uh, I think these are the areas where we find that these are full. When it comes to verticalized applications, when it comes to business functionality, when it comes to business process, this is where I think the open source has still not made that level of impact. So a lot of times for core business functionality and core business services feature functions, you would still rely on either the SaaS platforms or the build it on PaaS platforms or use the Quartz products that today run on cloud as such. Thank you again for your time today, Rafi. This podcast is part of our collaboration with MIT Tech Review in partnership with Emphasis Cobalt. Visit our content hub on technologyreview.com to learn more about how businesses across the globe are moving from cloud chaos to cloud clarity. Be sure to follow Ahead in the Cloud wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more details in our show notes and transcripts at emphasis.com slash IKI. That's in our podcast section. Thanks to our producers, Catherine Burdett, Christine Calhoun, and Yulia Dabari. Doe Bigley is our audio technician, and I'm Chad Watt with the Emphasis Knowledge Institute signing off. Until next time, keep learning and keep sharing.